Daddy issues will will fuel a couple championships, I'll say that. Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where when we have our biopic documentary um, fictionalized series on HBO, we will be played by very hot, um, probably very smart, I'd say athletic, Mm -hmm. just in general, good-looking, well-spoken people. Um, I'm Haley. I've got, I'm back. Um, I, I heard, um, the last episode and you will be hearing from HR. I'm joined by Jordan, Harry, Sierra. And today we've got Adam McKay on in a minute. We are very excited about that. Um, happy pride month. Um, we support gay rights and gay wrongs. So gay people, if you want to go commit some crimes, this is your this is your month because it doesn't matter and doesn't count. So go do whatever you want. Um, subscribe to our YouTube. We have a weird schedule this week. We're coming out, obviously, today, whenever you're listening. And then we have a very cool episode Friday that is finals-centric um, mm-hmm. that I think you're going to like. I want to shout out Snaps McKenzie for sending such a lovely note to us. Um, that Love you. made our day. I can't even tell you. Thank you for that. Um, lovely, lovely email. We are also in Flagrant Magazine. Woo! Um, our best friend Sean Yu is on it, um, and he looks awesome. Everyone looks really good. We have a Spencer's page in it. Um, yeah, just all around great. <gasps> That's so cool aesthetic on this one as always love the pinks and the blues um harry did i miss anything no okay then here is adam mckay one of the brains behind hbo's show winning time after the break Our next partner has a product that I use all the time. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to feel healthier. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Visit athleticgreens.com spin. When you're scouting prospects, you need a powerful partner. You need Indeed. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job. Plus, earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash spinsters to learn more. Um, I guess we'll start. We want to talk a lot about the show. Uh, we all really enjoyed it. And then we can do some finals talk too since it's um, finals time. I'd love to hear what you think about that. I think for me, just to dive right in, the first thing that hit me with this show and honestly any historical retelling where I'm aware of what they look like, it's not like you know some kind of 1800s Anne Boleyn thing where I'm not totally sure. I don't know if anyone's totally sure, um, yeah. is the casting. And the casting in this i'm sure you've heard this a million times is so good it's perfect um, yeah it's really good and the the unique thing about when you make a show about um sports or something where it centers around the characters bodies that has to come into like extra considerations you know the the shape of their bodies in addition to just their faces so i'm curious what 
special considerations you and the casting director took for that? Or were you looking for anything in particular? Or, or did you guys use the old Hollywood tricks that I've heard of um, for all the super short actors where you just make them wear shoes that are like this tall? <laughs> we, we definitely did the shoe trick. We definitely used perspective. However, your point is still correct. You can only fake it so much. You're talking about one of the great seminal sports teams in not just basketball history, in the history of modern sports. You're mm -hmm. talking about multiple iconic individuals. I mean, it's crazy that team that you have one of the top, God, let's five coaches ever, Pat Riley, the number one point guard in history. I don't think anyone would argue that. And a top five player of all time in Magic Johnson, a transformative player. And a legitimate argument could be made that the, the most accomplished basketball player in history, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is also a political and cultural spokesperson. And personally, I would put him on my list of top 20 people of the 20th century. So like mm -hmm. you, and oh, by the way, throw in the logo, Jerry West and, you know, five other, throw in Larry Bird, throw in, you know, Michael Cooper, throw in like all these other legendary uh, characters. So it was the most challenging casting uh, experience I've ever had in my entire life. Francine Maisler is our brilliant casting director. We uh, we looked high and low. There were moments where we thought we can't do the show because you have to nail those characters. Yeah. And we just got incredibly lucky that we found these super talented, thoughtful, cool people that could also hoop. I mean, Solomon Hughes, who plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, has never acted. I mean, he's a doctor. He's a PhD who played professional, played semi-professional basketball and turned out as amazing. And then Quincy Isaiah is a young actor who we were lucky, turned out, played, I think, Division two or three football, has played basketball. Um, and then Adrian Brody's like a cheat code. You can put him in anything and it's going to work. Same with the actor playing Larry Bird. So it, it was, this was the, maybe the most challenging show I've ever worked on ever. Uh, I, I, I thought this was going to be the fun vacation because I finally get to do something hoops related. And it was very, very challenging. Hmm. Yeah. What, who was the most challenging person to find? It's a tie between Magic, between Quincy Isaiah and Solomon Hughes. But, I, you know, I would slightly go for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm. I would say that's maybe the hardest, like, hardest real person you could ever cast in anything. Because the real Kareem in his playing days, I think he was 7'2". He was definitely at least 7'1". But also that, that mixture of, like, what a badass he was, but also so thoughtful and kind of sensitive. Mm -hmm. And so you would get people that physically kind of fit and had some acting chops, but the vibe was just wrong. And uh, I think it was Kathy in uh, Francine Maisler's office who found Solomon Hughes because he was doing speaking engagements around the country. And I'll never forget when he walked in just thinking, if this guy doesn't hit it, I don't know if we can do it. Like, and the same with magic. We, we read so many people for that role and you realize how unique 
and special Magic Johnson is when you try and cast him. You realize that just inimitable, inimitable, inimitable. I can't say the word, but you get my point. Smile mm-hmm. and sparkle yeah. that he has. Um, so, yeah, it, w- it was funny because I was just like, you know what? Uh, let's do a hoop show. I've like always circled around it. I've always been waiting for the right one. This is an incredible story. This will be a blast. And then it was like, oh, my God, it was hard. <laughs> and just speaking of casting, like John C. Riley was was perfect. Like he was he just totally oh. embodied Jerry Buss. And with the Oscar nod to his chest hair, I mean, that should be for supporting <laughs> supporting role. It was it was amazing. How did you kind of see behind the scenes him kind of method act into being Jerry Buss? It's one of the great performances. There's so many good performances on the show, but an extra special tip of the cap to John C. Riley. Well, we all know he's incredible. I don't know if there's really a more versatile actor out there who can embody characters in in a methy kind of way, but also be funny and bring the charm and like... I mean, I always describe Dr. Buss as sort of like uh, rated R Willy Wonka. (laughs) (laughs) That's so uh, good. (laughs) Yeah, like Playboy Mansion Willy Wonka, um, which, by the way, I don't know if that kind of character can exist in 2022 anymore. I think it would not it would not go down like it did. But um, but by all accounts, Dr. Buss was a lovable guy despite the fact that he was partying and dating young women all the time, he empowered a lot of uh, women to do some really great things. Obviously put together this dream out of kind of nothing out of like credit and hope. So he's a really complicated, funny, sometimes distressing character. And, you know, if you need someone to step in and pull that off, John C. Riley is one of the few humans that can do it. Um, Yeah. He blew me away. Yeah, he was incredible. Um, and there is the line between characters that we have. I would say I'm pretty comfortable with like my memory of their mannerisms or how they are. And to your point on casting, um, with Magic being super smiley, if you actually watch any of the press conferences back then on YouTube, like that is very accurate. And with... Um, cream it's the same you know kind of like what you're saying the the thoughtfulness um and that's also kind of just the lore with him or or what i would think of him um even not having seen any of that live with bus i think that i i definitely never saw any of him and that is such a maybe more sensitive thing to try to portray and there were a lot of I will say sensitive because <laughs> other characters are still alive. And um, oh, you yeah. say very oh, clearly yeah. that it's it's some of the uh, sections have been fictionalized. Yeah. But would you say that the portrayals of the personalities are, are also fictionalized? Yeah, I mean, it was one of the other things with the show that we knew was going to be tricky is that you have people that are still living you know, living legends, Mm -hmm. icons, people that have had incredible careers. And, you know, we're telling a story that takes place in 1979. I'm old enough to remember 1979. (laughs) The entire year of 1979 would be canceled now. Mm -hmm. 
Like <laughs> the existence of the year of 1979 would be like, no, 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 you, you're, we're booting you off Twitter, um, 1979. So it was tricky. And, you know, these are people I really admire. So it was a funny experience to have them angry as hell at me like kareem abdul jabbar who i like worship was like pissed and then jerry west obviously uh it was funny he just said recently he's actually never seen any of the show but clearly some people wound him up but, but um but yeah you know we we based you know jerry west when we pick him up in the show he was still coaching and you read his own autobiography you read the interviews with him he admits he was miserable. He was yelling at people. He was breaking golf clubs. Uh, that was a low point for him. But then once he left, you start seeing his rise of becoming one of the truly great executives in NBA history. And it's the same thing with Kareem. Everyone knew Kareem back in the 70s was surly. I mean, there's stories about people asking him for their, you know, his autograph and him blowing them off hard. And so we had some fun with that early. But then what I love about the show is you get to get into the real story. And, and that fifth episode about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, yeah. Rodney Barnes and, and Max Borenstein, I think both of them wrote it, or maybe it was just Rodney Barnes, I can't remember. That's my favorite episode because you really go into the layers of who Kareem is and the era that he came from versus Magic Johnson. And it's so thoughtful. I, I just love that episode. So... Yeah, I hope these guys kind of start to feel that, like, no, we actually really admire them. We're just trying to show the layers and the nuances of characters. And because of that, it's not a hagiography. You know, it's not a it's not a hero worship story because we're showing all the flaws. But I think in the end, it makes the story even more incredible and turns them into even bigger legends. Yeah, I loved that episode, that Kareem episode. It r did show the layers. It was so powerful. It was just like a beautiful um, showing of how basketball and politics and culture, how it's not just, you know, you can't just go out there and dribble a basketball. There's other things going on in the world. And I think Kareem really embodies that. Um And when I was watching so many of the other episodes, I found myself Googling, thinking that, they were made up because I was not around in 1979. I didn't know that these things happened. Even the one with like Tark the Shark and the mob ties. I'm like, whoa, that's dramatic. They must have made that up. No, that's real. <laughs> um, how was that research? Like, how did you find those little mini stories to go into the big stories? And how did you choose which ones got in? Yeah, so that, that's a ton of credit to Max Borenstein, the, the showrunner, and and the and Rodney Barnes, producer, writer on the show, and Jeff Perlman, who wrote the Showtime book, who's one of my my absolute favorite nonfiction sports writers. His books are incredible. You can pick up any of his books and you can't put them down. And what I love about what he does too is he picks subjects like he wrote a book about the USFL. And he sent it to me and I was like, Jeff, I grew up in the middle of that. I know about the USFL. And then I was like, I'll read it because Jeff's good. And then sure enough, there's like 90 stories. And he did it with the Lakers too. When I was first handed the book, like I watched every one of those games. I know the lake. I don't need to like, and then sure enough, you're like, these stories are crazy. Yeah. It's a really tricky line. Um, 
most of the stuff is true. I mean, most of it, the backstories, the crazy stories, the, the guy who was found in the trunk of the car, the flip of the coin for the draft pick. I mean, you can go through it, you know, step by step and most of it's true. But then it's tricky because you have to like combine an entire NBA season. So like we had to take a losing streak from early on when Westhead took over and we put it closer to the Detroit game. And so the scores don't line up, but like you can't show it, you know, 82 game schedule in a TV show. So, and then there's other things that, you know, we definitely, I mean, probably the most fictionalized moment is the one-on-one game with Norm Nixon and magic. That's pretty, or, or that, and the fact that Jerry Buss's mother was a really important part of his life. So we had her live through the front part of it, where in fact she had passed away a couple of years earlier. So you sort of weigh it all, you know, the thing of Spencer Haywood actually going to hire a hitman to, you know, take out the Laker. That's a true story. And so it, it it's, uh, it's such, you know, truth is always stranger than fiction. But the only thing I would say that changes that is when you only have nine episodes, <laughs> you, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta mess with it for 10 episodes or eight episodes or, you know, I think we're, yeah, I can't remember the amount we're doing next year. This year was 10. Next year, uh, we're still settling on the amount, but you have that time frame that you always have to consider. So yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, but I, I was I was very happy with the blend they ended up with. And and I love the ability of the show. And this is a lot of credit to, to Max and, and Rodney of to show different perspectives, because normally this story would not involve a woman's perspective. It would not involve uh, race. It would not involve depictions of racism. It wouldn't involve depictions of classism. And I thought the writers did a really good job of incorporating that without making it seem like we were rewriting through a 2022 lens. Like, I, I thought they did a really good job of just showing the reality. I, I was really proud of how that turned out. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of, you said that you were talking about the Hitman story. Um, there was, there were, I think, probably three character development stories that really stuck out to me, moments, I guess. Um, the first one being Wood Harris. Um, talking to Kareem about um, how he grew up and his birth. Um, that scene for me was probably oh. my favorite character development on the show. It was just like, so good. yeah, it kind of took me out of it um, for a moment. Um, and to do that on a sports show, I thought was, was something maybe that would have only been done in 2022, but still contained things from the actual time. Um, and the other one was Jeannie. And it's tough like that. I'm sure that is one of the toughest uh, things that you guys had to decide, like how hard to lean into it, because you are. I guess kind of just bluntly saying it, like exposing some daddy issues there, but that is the, (laughs) you know, if that truly was the dynamic, then you start to understand all that she had to overcome, go through um, how she was raised and the juxtaposition of loving your dad so much. And then also seeing him be a person that it's uncomfortable to see someone that you are um, related to uh, be. So I'm curious. 
I guess two things. I have two questions and, the, and they're kind of different. So I'm, I'm sorry for this. The first one is what went into those moments? The moments like um, in the Wood Harris scene, that entire thing, what made you guys decide to go back to that actual moment? Because in terms of flashbacks, there's not really that many of them in the show like that where you go back to birth. I mean, you do it with Kareem um, and show his backstory when he converted. But that felt especially like it stuck out to me. Um, and then my other question is, did you personally have to make a decision on how far to go with knowing that you're going to make a portrayal that you felt was true um, in terms of Jeannie, Jerry, um, the other Jerry, and knowing and wrestling with the fact that it might be hard to do something that accurate? And Jordan and I understand that. Um you know, we're writers. We've written a bunch of profiles. One time I did a profile on Hassan Whiteside and he was very gracious with his time. We went bowling. He showed me his home. I met his mom. They were all wonderful, but it wasn't very nice what I wrote, but it was honest. So I'm curious, how did you deal with that essentially? So those are two different things. I can remind you of both of them. No, Sorry no. put it I on you. They're kind of not though in a way. I, I see what you're driving towards. What surprised me about it is that I'm 54 years old. So I grew up in the 70s into the 80s. That's my childhood. Mm -hmm. So I remember it was a like I, it's hard to express what a different world it was. I remember growing up thinking like, oh, how different. There's not going to be a generation gap. Like we're listening to punk rock and hip hop and heavy metal. My kids are going to like what I'm into. Like <laughs> li little did I know the jumps that were coming. And the truth is, man, people were having wild sex in the 70s. I mean, there's stories about they would pull up 16 wheeler trucks in New York City and dudes would just go in the back of the truck and have orgies in the middle of the night. There were orgies going on everywhere. There was cocaine. There were people having sex in clubs. The Playboy Mansion was like a rolling orgy, like cocaine. I, I remember talking to some older people in entertainment. People thought cocaine was just like a pick-me-up. They thought it was like, you're going to have a little coffee so you can stay out late. And it was kind of a, a, a classy drug. And then people started to notice in the early 80s, like, wait a minute, People are starting to act crazy. And then some people started to die, like Len Bias and some other people. So I I saw the depictions and I knew that for Jeannie Buss, as a girl growing up with a dad who's out there partying like crazy, that was a reality. We, we had that as kids, too. Like, we saw that. Like, that was part of what it was like to grow up in that time. And... You know, we even see that carry into the modern age a little bit for the NBA guys and stuff. You know, I mean, they're, people are hooking up. That's part of that life. But back then, it was really extreme. So I, I felt like it was accurate. I felt like even though it wasn't, you know, the exact facts and events weren't spot on, the vibe of it and the experience is, for me, something that I related to. So I was a little surprised when it came out and people were like, Oh my God. I was like, what did you think 1979 was like? Um, so I, I saw people kind of respond to a lot of these depictions through a 2022 lens, like they were being busted or called out. And that was never our intention. Um, it was just a very different world, a very different time. Uh, it was a time when 
you know, sexual mores were like changing radically off the 60s. You had cocaine, you had the economy start to explode. You also had America swinging hard to the right as we go into the 1980s, which contradicts completely this embrace of uh, African-American culture that really is the first time it ever happened where that wall started to come down. So it's a really confusing, strange time. And I just saw, it was funny, a lot of stuff on social media with people like, oh, that's nasty. How could you do that? I'm like, I'm like oh, you guys have no idea what it was really like. So <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a testament to these writers like that we're talking about a show about the Lakers and yet it goes into all of these things about different times, different cultures, the way we view race, gender, sex, all of that kind of stuff. It, it's really uh, a job well done from Max and Rodney and Jim Hecht and that whole team. Our next partner has a product that I use all the time. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to help my immune system. I really just wanted to feel healthier. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto like me, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com spin. Again, that is athleticgreens.com spin to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The right draft pick can take your team to the playoffs and beyond. When you're scouting prospects, you need a powerful partner. You need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is the virtual interviews. A lot of people are working from home. They do not want to come into an office. And with Indeed, it saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job. Plus, earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash Spensters to learn more. Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash Spensters. Indeed.com slash Spensters. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think about to the, the episode that sticks out because, you know, I am a Lakers fan and... I found myself rooting for this 2022 Boston team because I like defense. And then I watched the episode of going to the TD Garden and seeing the fans and how Boston was portrayed in this series. And I immediately was like, F Boston. Like, I can't root for them this year. I can't root for them ever. Like, how could I even have that thought? Um, I loved that. And I think it was 
Um, you know, just he now we talk about the lore of the Lakers in Boston and the rivalry and all of that, but really diving deep into it. Um, I'm just curious how that has affected your viewing experience now to see the Boston Celtics in the finals this year, going into how you told the story of the Lakers and Boston rivalry back back then. I mean, it, it's such, it's so interesting because a lot of things have changed, as we all know, but then some things haven't. And I mean, that pretty much sums up everything on planet Earth <laughs> right now. But, but like, I like this Celtics team. I love Jalen Brown. I think he's a really cool guy. He's politically engaged. I also happen to love his game. I love Tatum. I love this silky smooth handle that that kind of effortless release, the cool demeanor, yet playing hard. I love Marcus Smart. Look, it's a very, very different team, yet you cut to the crowd, and it's not that different. Like, it's still <laughs> a lot of similarities. And I think it's a testament to we, in a lot of ways, we're going backwards these days, but in some ways we're going forwards. And, you know, that used to be the thing in Boston. People talk about the curse of the Bambino and Babe Ruth for why the Red Sox didn't win a World Series for decade after decade. That's not why they didn't win. They didn't win because their owner, Thomas Yockey, was incredibly racist and wouldn't have an African-American player on the team in going out of the 50s into the 60s. I think they were the last team to integrate in all of baseball. And meanwhile, all these terrific players were coming into the league and Bob Gibson was winning a World Series and the Red Sox wouldn't do it. That's why they didn't win a World Series. So um, so there's that history to Boston. And same with the Celtics. We all know about how poorly Bill Russell was treated. They were winning all those championships and they were having a hard time selling out. But but it, it definitely things have gotten better. And I, I, I don't I don't say F Boston like there were certainly years where I felt F Boston, but I don't feel that as much anymore. I can root for this team. The portrayal, like Jordan was saying, of the actual scene was so vivid. Like, I genuinely felt like I was in it. I thought that scene, you all did such a great job. Um, but just with Larry in general, I am also a hick from French Lick. I grew up about maybe 100 miles from there, if that. Um, went to the flea market. Um, but actually, like, in a far more country place. So seeing him young and seeing all of the things that maybe – people might think are making a caricature of actually him, but I know for a fact oh, yeah. without knowing him personally that that is actually him. <laughs> um, I loved the job that the actor did. And I'm wondering if you know at all how he prepared. You know, I actually don't. I, I, I saw his audition. We all agreed. That's the guy. Oh my God. Freaky good. And then it turned out he could play ball too, which is always the cherry on top. We had a couple actors who really couldn't play ball, and I'm not going to say who they were, but they were good enough. Oh, please. Can we have one? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it to them. I'm not going to do it to them. But uh, our basketball coach, Adon, was incredible. And by the end, they could all they all had a degree of game, but but uh, the, the actor who played Larry Bird could do it. Yeah, I, I was just badgering Max the other day. I was like, dude, you got to do an episode with the Larry Bird story because – it's incredible. I mean, you could do, you could definitely do a feature film of the Larry Bird story of him going to Bobby Knight, you know, Indiana University, 
bouncing out, the death of his father, his father committed suicide. Larry Bird Mm. was literally doing what Magic Johnson was afraid of. Larry Bird was a garbage man. He was done with basketball. It's an amazing story. I mean, Larry Bird is a killer. I mean, he is a badass. And and I think this actor does a great job of combining that. uh, And that, you know, that badass country thing, which you forget, there's a killer kind of backwoods country thing out there. You see it in football a little more than oops these days. But back in the day, there were guys like like Moses Malone who come from came from sort of countrified areas that just were like Bo Jackson is Scotty like a country. Scotty Pippen, perfect example. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's it's. We got a lot more to go with uh, Larry Bird and the Celtics. There's some really cool stuff coming. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I think for me, one question that both both Haley and I had was we're talking about all the things that you did include, but were there things that were too juicy that you couldn't include in the show or <laughs> it just didn't fit with the storyline? But what were some of those things that were kind of on the table that ended up getting cut but we would still love as basketball fans. <laughs> That's a really good question. I mean, I, I, you know, the thing I was pushing for and Max and Rodney, you know, Max Borenstein did an incredible job as the showrunner. So I can't say any of this is wrong is there's just so many legendary players from that time. And whenever we cross paths with one, I wanted to do a little intro segment on him. So I remember when they were playing the Nuggets and David Thompson is on the Nuggets. I was like, you've got to do a little intro of David Thompson. No one, a lot of people don't know who he is nowadays. And that guy was the one of the first Skywalkers. I think he dropped like 71 in a game. Uh, he was in the dunk contest against Dr. J from the ABA, the legendary dunk contest. And then his ending was that he blew out his knee in Studio 54, like at two in the morning walking up some stairs. So we didn't get the full David Thompson experience. So that was my annoying thing as a hoop head that I was always pushing for is like, if they played the Spurs, can you do a little thing on George Kirvin? <laughs> Meanwhile, these poor guys are trying to like write these scripts and get them to fit into an hour. So there was a ton of that. There was a ton of like sub stories, like, and we're working on season two and there's a thing with the Rockets and I've already badgered them. I'm like, please do a thing about how Spencer Haywood fighting the thing about you couldn't, you know, go from high school, actually bird Moses Malone, who's one of the baddest dudes to ever walk. You know, so I'm I, that's the stuff I'm always pushing for. Um, but no, nothing too crazy. I mean, we I feel like we got the good stuff in there. Uh, I mean, there was so many things I didn't know. Like, I didn't know Kareem's father was a police officer. Like, that blew me away when I learned that just detail after detail like that were, were really fascinating. It's been fun to Google after the fact, like if if it happened or if not. I'm always really interested in basketball history because I really like the idea of the era. I guess we can just generally call it of when guys were smoking in the locker room, um, like the <laughs> Wild West of the NBA. But it's funny you say that about Skywalker because when I was first getting into the NBA and it came late to me growing up and being from Kentucky, um, it's just a college 
place. College is the pros. Um, so I kind of missed out on some of the history. But even this, I wouldn't have known. My dad was pissed when I didn't know who that was. And I was already writing at the NBA or at the ringer, sorry, um, about the NBA. So I had a lesson on the Skywalker. Um, I like that. I like that. There's a father out there that would be pissed at his daughter oh, yeah. for not <laughs> knowing who David Thompson is. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> One thing that I, my friend um, who had screeners for the show, Allison, she was texting me about it. And I was like, Oh, is the basketball realisting? I was asking all these questions and speaking of leaving things out, I was like, did they include when Jerry West um, had Norm tailed by a PI. Oh, that's a good one. We did not put that in. That was one where I was like, look, guys, you can you can think that this is exaggerated. He's exaggerated. And maybe it is. I'm not sure about the personal, how he acted day to day, but his the actual uh, pace in which his mind was running, I think that's portrayed pretty accurately yeah, jerry, jerry west like i said he's a legend he's a basketball genius by the way another stone cold dagger thrower i mean that shot of his uh lovely guy talks about his struggles with mental health which right away you're a hero in my book if you do that mm-hmm. but yeah he had issues he was he would he would lose his temper he was you know, he was breaking a lot of golf clubs. I mean, that's straight out of his autobiography. Like, um, but people are very complicated. And I understand. Yeah, I go back to it. Man, it's got to be weird to see your life. Like, it's weird for me when people write about stuff from my personal life. I'm like, well, that's not it. Like, I can't imagine mm-hmm. seeing actors play these people. But I always just go back to the touchstone, which is like, we think you guys are, you know, this all these people, Jeannie Buss and Claire Rothman and Magic Johnson, these are legendary people, nothing but respect. Yeah, totally. Um, we have, I think, one more question about winning time, and then I want to ask you about the finals real quick. What to you qualifies as deserving a period, deserving a show like this? Like what, what other, what else have you considered? What comes to mind immediately as would be like show worthy so I can steal the idea, take it to a competitor, make it myself. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, so here's what's tricky. You have a couple of practical limitations, which is we forget in America that no one else outside of America cares about baseball or American rules football. So Nowadays, if you're going to do a series or a movie, you know, it's pretty hard. Like as much as the natural is a classic, no one outside of America cares about it. So fortunately, I'm a giant basketball fan. So I would mostly stick around basketball and maybe I would go into boxing a little bit or international football, soccer. So I, I'm really fascinated in about that period in the 60s where the league did integrate. You had Will Chamberlain, you had Sam Jones, you had these great African-American players mixing with what before that was a hyper white sport. I mean, Indiana, Kentucky, you know, move the ball three passes before you shoot kind of Hoosiers. And I just think that blend, that period is fascinating. Like apparently 
um, was it was it Will Chamberlain? And I think the player was his name, Sax Sanders, used to own a club up in Harlem and like jazz greats would come play there and everyone would hang out there. And it's just so cool because it's the first time you start to see this new kind of, I mean, you saw it a little bit in American Rules football with Jim Brown, but I, I think something like that, you shoot that in black and white and really get into that that early scene where like, Will Chamberlain scores a hundred points and there's not a camera on him when he does it. And they leave in a bus like fascinating to me. And then the other one, which a big book just came out about is the, the New York Knicks, the nineties, New York Knicks that John Starks, uh, Anthony Mason era would kill to see something on that. Yeah, that's such a good book. Um, shout out to Chris Herring, friend of the pod. But um, yeah, and Pat's in that too. I, I'm excited to see in the next season um, if if Pat Riley is still included, like, you know, what his character development is. Because right now you see some of what makes him him, but you see the like beginning, but he um, just metamorphosizes into such a different, more egregious version of himself. Um, what is your finals prediction before we go? It's a tough one, right? I mean, the Celtics' first six, maybe seven, are so strong. I mean, you could really argue that whole starting five, you know, either has been all-stars or could be all-stars. I think even Williams has jumped. Time Lord has jumped into that realm of I've seen him really alter games. But what's crazy is this playoffs more than any seems to be a playoffs of attrition. Uh, there's so many injuries. The players look extra worn down. I think a little bit of that is because of what COVID did in the couple of years before us to the schedule. I think it threw off their rhythm. So there's injuries are a much bigger factor. And the Warriors are freakishly deep. Like their second five could win like 34 games <laughs> in a season and be a respectable team. I mean, they've got guys deep on their bench like Kaminga can play like um there's just tons of dudes like Moses Moody like guys who can really ball so I'm gonna go just you know, under the theme of the playoffs of attrition I'm gonna go the Warriors in six although here's what's funny I'm rooting for the Celtics Oh, okay. <laughs> You've got oh, really the I can't do it. I can't do it, Adam. I feel like I'd be banned from my family. Even I was watching, um, it was my dad, my aunt Charlene, who's an 80-year-old Boston Celtics fan, watching Jason Tatum play with the Kobe armband. She still was having like, she was like, oh, I don't, the purple with the green, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> it just goes, it goes way back. But when you start um, casting the uh, 60s era, I already got the fro for it. So just let me know if I can just stand you in the back. You do. Or something. I got you. You are getting a call. I, I, I promise you line in a show if that ever gets me. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you so much. Um, no Menendez Brothers uh, drop, oh. but you promised Jordan uh, past the stardom, so it works out. Way <laughs> thank better. you so much. You <laughs> guys were so asking fun. such good questions. I forgot the game of somehow include the Menendez Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot it. No, I love you guys. Love this podcast. And thank you for having me on. Thanks thank so much. You, we can't Adam. wait for season two. All right. Be well, you guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.